Is it Sunday yet? Almost. Welcome to the Almost Sunday podcast. I'm your host, Derek Logan. I'm here with Not Your Average Joes, Joe Beldner, Joe Mason, my friends. And we're, ha- we're here to have a great show today. It's July 18th. We're almost ready for redraft season, and we're going to get right into it. We've got a lot of things to talk about on today's show. We're going to talk about a little bit how we met. How did we, the three of us, get together to make this podcast? Talk about the Scott Fishbowl. It's, it's well underway with the drafts going on. We've got live drafts, slow drafts, plenty of slow drafts, let me tell you. And then we'll talk a little bit about some Dynasty. A lot of people love Dynasty. We're in July. It's a great time to make some trades. Take advantage of your league mates who aren't paying much attention. And then Joe Belner will hit us up with some do's and don'ts about etiquette in your league. So how are you guys doing today? Pretty average Monday for me. You know, Monday morning always hits terrible. Uh, We're officially eight Sundays away from the first NFL Sunday. So I felt like that was pretty appropriate on the first episode of this podcast. But uh, what about you, Mason? No, I like that, man. Eight more Sundays till football. Man, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, you guys. I'm excited to be here and talk football with you guys all the time. Let's oh, get it. For sure. I mean, I will add, we uh, we drew straws. Unfortunately, Joe Mason drew the short straw. He is here for, henceforth known as Mason. When you're both Joe and you're trying to talk fantasy football, you got to have different names. So, Mason, right. nobody wants to hear, uh, nobody wants to hear Beldner, uh, repetitive. So <laughs> yeah, I think Joe is good for me. So why don't we get into how did we get together? I mean, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, Joe's in New Jersey, Mason's in California. We're on the three time. I mean, I'm in the Eastern time zone, but we're in the three middle and ends of the United States. So right. how did we meet? We could thank uh, the Fantasy Footballers, our favorite podcast. I think uh, all three of us could say that. Uh, yeah, so basically all three of us, was we were um, in their listener league together. And uh, the two of them actually made the championship. Uh, I was looking at it earlier today. We actually finished one, two, and three in the uh, regular season. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of destiny that we would make a podcast together, I was thinking. I would say so. Unfortunately, so, I didn't have as much luck in the first round. Yeah, let's talk about that championship, Mason, because, I mean, I can talk about it glowingly, but it had to leave a bitter taste in your mouth. So what happened is I was in the championship against Mason. Uh, it wasn't looking so good for me. I was going into Monday night. It was Monday or Sunday. Do you remember? It was the Steelers. Um, yeah, it was either a Sunday night or a Monday night. And I don't think we had anybody yeah. playing on maybe Monday night. Yeah, but. it was the last active player, Deontay Johnson. And I think he needed about 10 points to win. And by, I think, halftime, he had the points. Joe had won. People were saying, good job, you win. Like, you're going to run away with it. There's no way Deontay Johnson doesn't score any more points. I fully and blame then... Mike Wright because he told me, <laughs> congratulations, Joe, you won the listener league and i'm like i'm only up by like 0.6 right i'm like yeah you can still catch a fumble like Mm -hmm. i was i was nervous and i remember derek you in the chat in the slack channel you were like all right i'm watching a movie i'm not watching the game i'll see you guys after the game yeah i turned it (laughs) off i 100 percent turned it off the funniest thing is when you lose a matchup and like you think that there's maybe the slightest bit of hope that you might still win it. And then you congratulate the other person like prematurely just be, like uh-huh. to give yourself some good luck. You try to give that reverse jinx. <laughs> and then I mean, I reversed the jinx it so hard. I logged on probably, it was probably 1130 at night. And then I realized that Deontay Johnson had not scored any more points. I was only down by less than one point. And of course I'm just full tilt. I'm looking everywhere thinking, okay, what, what is going to be changed so that I can win this? I didn't think I really could have done it. But naturally, I mean, I want to be in the Listener League again. I want to get another chance. I want to be in the Slack chat with the guys. So I'm looking at that Bears defense, and they just crushed me. To add insult to injury, I had dropped them that week that yeah. week, and picked up the Packers defense to start. I, had, I was rostering, I think, four defenses the final week because I was trying to just block you. 
And so I just added all the relevant defenses, dropped the Bears because they are awful. I mean, their their defense is their their forte, but they weren't good. But they were luckily playing the Giants, and they just dominated the Giants. The Giants couldn't get anything going. I was watching that game, kicking myself for dropping that defense because I would have ran away with the matchup if I had just kept them and started them. And so I'm thinking, okay, I watched that game. They got credited with three forced fumbles, but I watched that game. They didn't force three fumbles. And so I was looking through the ESPN play-by-play everywhere I could find. It just looked like they had forced two fumbles, and that would take away a point. And lo and behold, that got corrected a couple days later, and you went from being announced as the winner on the podcast to Monday show, yeah, getting dunked on by Jason Moore saying that you lost to me. And honestly, that was probably the bright spot of my entire fantasy football career. But Mason, I think you might have outdone me, even though you lost to me in the listener league, because why don't you tell the listeners what you accomplished the year before? Yeah, so I won the Mega Bowl in 2020. Um, and my team, I, so I drafted, like, I think it was on the Tuesday or Wednesday before the season started. So it was like one of the very, very last drafts, right? Right before the season started. And uh, I just hit with, so I actually wrote out my roster and like their finishes. So in the first round, I took the RB1, Alvin Kamara, that season. In the second round, I took the wide receiver one, Devonte Adams. And then in the third round, I took the wide receiver for DeAndre Hopkins. And I think, you know, in the in the footballers, like extra episode they have every week for their Patreon, they give some good tips. But I think everybody was on the, the on board for like, I need to pick a running back in the third round. And so that's why Hopkins fell to me in the third is because I forget. I think like Raheem Mostert went like right before him. So like oh, man. people were just picking the running backs. And so, yeah, I hit there. And then the next good player I had was Cooper cup in the fourth. He was wide receiver 19 that year. And then the late round guys are really what I think got it for me was I took Justin Jefferson in the 11th and he was wide receiver eight. And I took James Robinson, the RB four in the 12th round also. And he had such a good year. It's too bad you weren't in like the Millie Maker or something of Best Ball Dude, Mania with that I roster. <laughs> you were taking home a million dollars. Yeah, but uh, no, it was crazy. I remember the, you know, Alvin Kamara had that crazy six touchdown game, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I'm number one in the rankings right now. Like, am I gonna hold this this lead? And then I remember the guy, because you can start doing the math, right? Like because you could see the other people behind you. And then I was like, calculate, okay. So the guy behind me had Josh Allen and the dig stack and they were the last game. And I think he almost beat me by like, I think I barely won by like three points, but he almost came back. And I think I had like a 45 point lead on him, but he just had, you know, those two guys, but ended up winning. It was so cool to win that. Um, and yeah, runner up the next year, man, in the in the listener league. So I can't be. You can't I make can't, it up. Yeah, I can't. I gotta hold my head high. That was impressive and a lot of fun. So I'm just happy to be a part of their, you know, listener league that one year. And my cool stories, I made the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. But uh, yeah, no, did we you lose to. Did you lose to? I lost that? to no. uh, Dennis. Oh yeah, yeah I actually, I actually. I wrote down something very brutal from our matchup. I was looking into it. Um, so I had Tom Brady, James Conner, Najee Harris, Chris Godwin, and Brandon Ayuk, and they all combined for 32.06 points. <laughs> in my, yeah, Tom uh, Brady was bad, I think, yeah. that was week 15. That's like uh, under 6.5 each average. Oh, my so, gosh. But, yeah, yeah I mean, Joe, showed do up. You ever, Mason, do you ever look at that? lineup that you set in week 17 against me i do um <laughs> every day you know yeah you, you know what it out put it on your mirror in the bathroom why was, did i bench amon ross st brown and oh, devin man. singletary sun god not, not gonna lie it, it hurt for a little bit but i got over it um but i think the worst part was that the whole week 
the whole Slack channel was talking about it. And I was like, I think it's going to get overturned. And I think I'm not going to win this game anymore. Yeah. You were um, doing a good job of staying quiet. Yeah. You were a I good had, sport. Yeah, yeah. I had to. I don't um, know if I would have been that good of a sport. No, I probably would have just not. ghosted it. Yeah. I would have left yeah. the chat. <laughs> I won. <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It was a good time, though. They, they said my name a lot on the podcast. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Joe, you and I, let's talk about the big tournament we're in right now. The Scott, Scott Fishbowl. Fish so the what the heck is the Scott Fishbowl and how does it have anything to do with fantasy football? You know, it's a, it's a, this is both of our, uh, first years in it. So, um, I, I write for dynasty nerds a little bit. So, um, I, I technically got in as an analyst and, uh, there's some, there's some big names and a lot of fans and people all over the world. And uh, basically, Scott Fish, just like a really great guy, um, gives so much to charity. I hope the train behind me is not uh, picking up too much because uh, my apartment's actually right on the train station. I forgot to tell you guys. But uh, yeah, so it, it's been awesome to be a part of. Um, we both have these slow drafts going on, and uh, it's, it's funny to see the inconsistencies of how slower, how fast people have been picking. Um, I know in our in my little group chat for the uh, Wonderland division, we have two people that uh, have been pretty much taking the eight hours for every single pick. So, but you know that's the beauty in it. This is a it's a it's a fun league. It's for charity. You know, it's not for money or anything. It's just a it's been pretty awesome to be a part of. Yeah, I I found the same way where it it can get frustrating when people are taking the time, but they have that time. You can't really fault them exactly. for using the time that we all agreed on eight hours for a it reason. Can just be, and we have people across the world. We got, I think three people in Europe in our league. So once we get to them, if it's past like 6 PM Eastern time, we're waiting until the morning for them to pick because they're long in bed. Uh, but one thing about Scott, Scott fishbowl is the scoring is much different than your typical redraft league. So, one of the things that you'll see in that ADP as we move towards redraft is a lot of people will think, oh, like the Scott Fishbowl, that's the standard for what I should be doing in redraft. But it's important to no, note, note like some discrepancies. So what are, we, what are we looking at for tight ends and QBs there? Yeah, so we got a tight end premium league. So that means um, normal PPR plus 0.5 for uh, every single tight end reception. And then it's a super flex also. And uh, what we, me and Derek have been looking at a lot is like that 66% accuracy. So um, you, you get subtracted points if you fall under 66%. So quarterbacks that, you know, you, t you typically wouldn't be too interested in um, for redraft or dynasty or just like normal best ball, any, any really draft. Um, like someone like Mac Jones, for instance, my QB2, because he's pretty accurate in his rookie year. Uh, hopefully he could build on that in year two. Yeah, and it goes a bit the opposite way too, where you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, who oh yeah, I would love to. He was have going him. high too. Yeah, yeah, he was, and I would love to have him in my redraft squad. But yeah. I'm an Eagles fan, as you can, I mean, as you all know, and I don't really want Jalen Hurts and Scott Fishbowl because absolutely not. He might throw yeah. for sixty percent and lose points in that avenue uh, every game. What will help him and boost him up is rushing yards offsetting those negatives with rushing yards but if you're dealing with any negatives it's not the best proposition so uh i do want to point out some some trends that we're seeing in scott fishbowl where the adp is not lining up with what we've seen in under underdog best ball drafts or those sleeper or those early sleeper redrafts so the first one guy i want to talk about is Brees hall hmm. uh I, I'm in on Brees Hall, maybe Let's just because I, I picked him in the fifth round of the Scott Fishbowl, so I have to be in on him because I want to win. But right now, in Scott Fishbowl, he's going at 54.8 uh, as far as pick slot. And then in underdog, he's going much later, about a round later in, at 66.3 is his average pick. And then on sleeper redraft, they love him. He's at 43.6 in two QB drafts. That's not just the, the number for regular redraft where the quarterback's going later, that's actually in mock drafts where it's 2QB, so super flex. Why do you think that is? Um, Mason, what's your thoughts on this? Because I want to hear from you first, because uh, I would say that you're definitely the dynasty guy here over the years. Uh, you've done many dynasty leagues. 
Yeah, I'm in. I'm in too many, but I love it. Hey, Derek, say that one more time. I was doing. I was looking at something on the side. Yeah. So, I mean, why are we seeing about a round difference between from sleeper redraft for Brees Hall to Scott Fishbowl to underdog? I mean, you're looking at the sixth round in underdog best ball, the fifth round in Scott Fishbowl, and the fourth round in sleeper redraft. I see that. Yeah. So, in my opinion, I think. You know, especially for underdog, you're trying to get those high upside guys. And a guy like Brees Hall who's a rookie. Sorry, Joe, I'm gonna bash your Jets a little bit, but Jets <laughs> no, recently I'm used to it. Yeah. Recently haven't been, you know, that good of an offensive producing team, right? So um and now Michael Carter did have some good weeks last year. Um, some really good weeks with Mike White as his QB. But um yeah, I definitely think like, you know, historically, like rookie running backs, they've been a good amount that have finished as an RB2 or higher like every season. So I think there's some security in getting a guy like Brees Hall in your redraft league, for example, that sleeper ADP of 43.6, but there's definitely some downside. So I, I can see why the underdog ADP is a little bit lower at 66. So that's my take on it. Yeah, no, like, like you said, you know, I'm, I'm a Jets fan. Uh it's very clear in the air right now, but uh, they did rank 28th in points per game last year. And um, Zach Wilson has gotten a lot of credit over the last uh, week or so for off the field reasons. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. He's got the dog in him. But, uh, you know, I think, I think Brees Hall is super talented. Um, coming out of college, definitely my RB1 in the class. But like you said, Michael Carter, like he's, he's not a slouch. And, uh, Especially early on, I think that his maturity in the system, uh, the LaFleur system in, in uh, his first year is going to pay big dividends for him. Um, maybe maybe the first six games of the year. So it might take Brees just a little bit of time before he uh, really takes off. And I, I do think that he's the eventual like bell cow running back, but maybe not off the bat next year. Yeah, most people don't know, but... Um... He is actually Roger Craig's nephew. So those of you who don't know Roger Craig, great 49er running back. I think he was the first running back to post a thousand thousand season. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. He should mm. be, in my opinion. So hey, you know, runs in the family. Oh yeah. Look at all of us uh flashing our favorite teams episode <laughs> one. Yeah. I mean, a division rival of my squad, the Washington Commanders, we've got Antonio Gibson who, similar to Brees Hall, is getting a little bit of hate, honestly, in ADP because of this perceived competition at the position mm -hmm. between him and J.D. McKissick, the third down back, and then the rookie from Alabama, Brian Robinson. So when you're looking at ADP for Gibson, we've got Sleeper, again, loves him, 52.3. That's the sixth round, or actually fifth round, I'm sorry. And then in Scott Fishbowl, he's going... 18 picks later via ADP and then an underdog super flex drafts in best ball. He's going even later at pick 90. Mm -hmm. So talk me off the ledge here because I just traded for Gibson in dynasty. I just took him in the Scott fishbowl. And so. so why, why do people hate Antonio Gibson right now? Uh, it, simply put, I would say J, JD McKissick has uh, almost everything to do with his smooches. But, uh, you know, Gibson from week 10 on uh, the rest of the season, he was a running back four. So uh, we've seen when he's given the work how good he can be. You know, a lot of people think he he could be a top five running back for fantasy. But uh, Ron Rivera, he hasn't given him the CMC usage that uh, a lot of people were hoping for when he got drafted. But um, one more thing I wanted to comment on before I pass off to Mason. But um, people had uh, reservations about – the offense with Washington and uh, how Gibson would be with Wentz as the quarterback. It's not like a direct correlation, but, you know, we just saw Jonathan Taylor finish as the RB one with Wentz as his quarterback. So if that's a reason why people are fading Antonio Gibson, I'm not really uh, fully on board with that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm in on him. I think that's crazy. His finishes mm -hmm. in standard his rookie year, he was RB12 in standard. And then in PPR, he was RB13. And then last year, RB11 in standard, RB12 in PPR. So he did have six fumbles, though. So I do get the concern. Like, yeah. will Ron Rivera, like, trust him and give him the work? Because, you know, they added Brian Robinson, too, who's a solid back. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at that price, I'm very happy 
taking other positions and having him as, you know, my RB2. I'm really happy with that. I love to hear that. I did not get him in Scott Fishbowl, but I traded CEH in a second for Gibson in a fourth, and I would think I won that trade. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yep. You know, know, I'm uh, extremely, extremely out on CEH. There, there might not be a player that I'm more out on for next season. And, hey, and uh, a lot of people like him, but you know what? And Gibson, you know, he, he's still younger than Valus Jones. So he's got that go that he's got that. I'm almost him. younger than uh Valus Jones. <laughs> so, uh, a couple more running backs that I just wanted to point out just their ADP differences as we approach like peak draft season in about a month or so. Uh, Rashad Penny, most notably is going after Ken Walker in mm-hmm. uh in I think Scott Fishbowl and Sleeper, but in underdog he's just ahead of Walker. I would have to double check that, but they're just they're hovering around each other in all three sites. And um where do you stand on the Penny Walker debate? It's Joe, you you ask him. Which one you want first? Let's hear it from Mason. There we go. Yeah, I think, man, it's so hard to trust Pete Carroll. And I just see Rashad Penny. Every time I see him, I just think of Jason Moore and how much he loves Rashad Penny, right? <laughs> or, or did love Rashad Penny. I don't know if he still does. But, man, yeah, I I think you have to take Penny in front of Walker. Um, and at the end of the season last year, you'd think that his underdog – I would expect his underdog to be higher – Mm-hmm. personally after he had that outrageous pace at the end of last season but you know everybody likes the shiny new toy it's like that you know scene from family guy when it's like what's under the box it could be a boat who knows it could be this great freaking player that's going to go off so I, I i can understand why people are taking ken walker and rolling the dice on it mm-hmm. you know going off of what you said uh you know penny penny was unbelievable to finish off the year uh, over his last um, five games of the season. He ran for 671 yards um, with five TDs and that's a 7.3 yards per carry. You know, that's like uh like Marshawn Lynch type numbers. So I don't know, like the thing with Penny that I think scares everybody is the fact that he gets hurt. Um, and his rookie year when he came in, uh, Chris Carson, you know, he was getting all the work, but, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of to Penny's advantage because Ken Walker is a fantastic running back, but where he struggles is, um, pass protection. And I think he has potential as a pass catcher, but, um, that is one of his flaws, you know, that that's, that's something that people dig on him. So, um, I'm yeah. definitely taking Penny over, uh, Ken Walker every, every day of the week. Yeah, I, I would agree. And just to highlight your point about his dominance late down the stretch, mm-hmm. uh, in PVR scoring, he was tied with Devin Singletary for the most points during the playoff weeks. And that was with Week 15 scoring 6.4 points. So he went he went off so hard in 16 and 17 that that propelled him to first place among running backs in essentially two out of the three weeks. Pretty good underdog value yeah. right there. Yeah, Derek. yeah. That makes me so sad to hear that because, you know, Devin Singletary was on my bench in our yeah. championship game <laughs> last year. <laughs> well, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown also led receivers in points during the playoffs also, and he was yeah. on your bench. He's a beast, but hey, that's why he's on my dynasty team. I'm hoping yeah, he rub, rub it in a little bit more. <laughs> um, the last guy I'll just brush over real quick, Elijah Mitchell. We, we see a trend here, right? Brees Hall, kind of ambiguous backfield. Mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson seems seems like a fabricated ambiguous backfield, in my opinion. But nonetheless, ambiguous backfield. Rashad Penny, ambiguous backfield. Elijah Mitchell, all signs point to it not being an ambiguous backfield, except for the fact that Kyle Shanahan is the coach. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing with uh, Elijah Mitchell? Uh, I'm I'm uh, one foot in, one foot out. Because his ADP isn't so terrible to me. It really depends who's on the board when I'm uh, taking the pick. Like, for instance, if um, Antonio Gibson's there, I'm taking him. If Josh Jacobs is there, I'm taking him. 
Because, uh, you know, the fact is that every single season when Shanahan's uh, been the head coach of the team, they've had a new leading rusher every single season. So, um, you know, they, they, they spent high draft capital on TDP. Um, they still have Sermon from last year who didn't seem like a system fit. You have uh, who else? Jeff Wilson, Jamichael Hasty circling in. So you never, you, you really don't know who's going to be the leading rusher. Um, Elijah definitely has the um, upper hand, but at the same time, I history has a history of uh, I don't even know where I'm going there, but repeating itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. It's been a long day, a long Monday. <laughs> I like Elijah Mitchell, but I think you have to handcuff him because he got hurt a lot last year and he's only yep. 200 pounds. So I think I'm okay taking him as my RB2 because it looks like his uh, his rounds that it's going in is, I think, like 5.6 for a sleeper. So 5.6, seventh round. Um, yeah, you got to handcuff him with probably, probably TDP until further notice. I don't know mm-hmm. if they trust – Jeff Wilson, who I think was also banged up last year, didn't do too hot. But, yeah, he's got to handcuff him, in my opinion. All right, so, Joe, I, I think we mentioned that, I mean, our drafts are going pretty slow. So you said you're in, what, round 15 or 16? Well, how's your team looking? Is it a winner? I think it's a winner. So I'm always going for, uh, like, balance. Like, uh, some people swing for the fences. And in this league, you really have to with – the amount of people in it. So I'm trying to be unique, but, uh, you know, swing for the fences, but at the same time have a very balanced roster. So um, I'll do a quick run through uh, my picks so far. So we got uh, just, just by position, we have uh, Dak Prescott as my QB one. Then we have uh, CMC as my running back, Josh Jacobs and um, Antonio Gibson as my other two main running backs. We got C.D. Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Christian Kirk, uh, Robert Woods, Garrett Wilson as my wide receivers. And uh, I took Dalton Schultz as my tight end. So you have uh, you have the double stack, which is kind of very risky. So if Dallas struggles, my team's going to lose that week with uh, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, and Dak Prescott. But uh, And then, as I said earlier in the uh, earlier in the night, that I have Mac Jones as my QB2. So... I don't know. It's pretty well-rounded. Um, I took some kickers late because uh, I think, Derek, you were telling me earlier in the week that uh, Nick Folk scored more points as Mike Williams in this league last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is there, In the scoring, the kicker won Nick Folk last year would have been the wide receiver 18 right around Mike Williams, which Crazy. was about just over 200 points scored uh, because of the half PPR half point per first down scoring and then the decimal scoring for the kicker where they get one point per field goal plus the yardage as a decimal. So if you mm-hmm. hit a 48 yarder, you're looking at 5.8, uh, 5.8 points for just that field goal. Exactly. So it can add up quickly. If you get two or three field goals in a game, you're looking at a very solid flex by mm-hmm. putting a kicker in your lineup. Which is why the 14th yeah. round I took uh, right. Evan McPherson, who led the league in 50-yard field goals last year as a rookie. Absolutely. And no yeah. penalty for missed field goals either, which is another plus to having mm-hmm. that scoring and going for guys that are going to have a big leg and hit big field goals. My team, I like to refer to as the all-upside team. I thought similarly in the early rounds, I took Dak Prescott as my quarterback, waited on QB2, took Justin Jefferson, on the on the third round, the ra- the third round reversal, I took two Tagovailoa. Didn't feel great about it, and then after that, the, another quarterback didn't go for over a round. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was a big tear break after that, so I pulled the trigger on him. Luckily, after that, I got Kamara in the fourth, Brees Hall in the fifth to be my running backs, and then I've just taken guys with high ceilings and maybe basement level floors and DK Metcalf, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I took Penny. I took Gasicki as my tight end, one of the one of the last guys to take a starting tight end in my league. And then I I took Traylon Burks, uh which we'll see if he can overcome that asthma issue. I'm hopeful that he can and if he does, then he's going to have a lot more upside than a lot of the other guys you could get in the 11th round of a 12-man league. So 
that was some some talking about the ADP. I, I want to move on and get talking about some dynasty drop-in action. Our resident expert in dynasty is Mason. He's a seasoned veteran. He got Joe and I into it, actually, after the Listener League. Pulled us all together, invited us into a league to play dynasty together with some other people from that Listener League. And so far, it's been an absolute blast. And there's always trades going down. There actually was one today. So why don't you talk about some some thoughts about our dynasty scene right now? Yeah. Um, so just so everyone knows, I've been playing dynasty since 2016. I commissioned about 10 different leagues total, uh, a lot of them with my good friends, and especially with these guys, I uh, decided to host a, a league for, for everyone so we can like stay in touch and talk um, after being in the listener league. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, but uh, some things I wanted to talk about, I know there was a recent trade that just went down uh, in the NFL. I know Baker Mayfield's heading to Carolina. And so we were going to chat a little bit about his dynasty value. And so in my opinion, Right now, Baker probably should not be rostered in, in a one QB dynasty league. I don't think it makes sense to uh, to, to, to own him in a league. Uh, although Superflex, I probably would send a 2023 second to go get Baker if I really needed a quarterback. And I know there's some of you that... Yeah, I you really know, hate to hear that. I, I hate know, to hear that. <laughs> if you got two quarterbacks and you don't have a third, you probably... I would feel better with Baker as my third QB, or you just wait it out and add a bunch of handcuffs, but only if you really need it. Cause you know, if a guy like Spencer Rattler doesn't have a great season and he could fall into the second round next year and he declares for the draft, you know, I would rather have him next year and just punt my super flex spot if my quarterback gets hurt. So see, I've uh, been sitting on what I thought was just a gold mine of Baker Mayfield uh in my <laughs> dynasty roster as my quarterback like three or four i've got ritter on my bench um and i guess i thought he was gonna be worth more once he got a starting job but apparently i'm not as good at dynasty as i thought wait well, until uh after week one when they play the browns mm-hmm. and then and then hey. so i actually in one of my leagues i sent somebody a 23 second because i needed a qb and it got declined so he obviously that person obviously i think his team he probably needed to hold on to him anyway so he couldn't let him go but anybody else have any uh thoughts on baker or you guys trust me that sound like good value for him i like it for uh just just a just a baker move in general there's some upside for dj Moore finally because you know know. he he hasn't had uh over four tds in a season yet and i think he's you know in terms of talent one He's of the best there. receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him get to the 68 touchdown range. Uh, is Baker the quarterback to do it? TBD. But nothing could be worse than my boy, Sam Arnold. <laughs> so. Nice. All right. Hey, next up, let's go jump into some age cliff candidates. Uh, before I do that, I'm going to bring up this book that I've read. It's called uh, Fantasy Football for Smart People. And it was written by Jonathan Bales. And it has some really good stuff in here. Highly recommend reading it. He actually has a section that talks about what's the typical age and rate of decline for each position. And so for running backs, they actually peak at age 26. And then for people that play Dynasty, take some notes because this is some good stuff. But running backs, uh, they peak at age 26, but they actually produce into the late 20s and early 30s at age 32 is when they like really drop off. So, mm-hmm. okay. You know, Tell you, that to Todd Gurley though. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's running backs. Um, my age cliff candidate right now is James Connor. He's 27. I think that he did have a great bounce back year with the Cardinals, but I think there's just too much risk for him getting hurt again. Like he was in Pittsburgh. So I think it would be smart to get, uh, you know, his handcuff, whoever that is. Uh, I think it's Daryl Williams who just signed with them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would, I would trade him. Um, I think good value for James Connor would, I would take a first. I don't know if, you know, some people don't want to uh, send a first round pick for a 27 year old running back, but I probably wouldn't take a second for him. Cause I think he could still have a really good first half and get you some points. So uh, any thoughts, uh, Joe, uh, on that or Derek? Feel free to jump in if uh, you agree with me or disagree. 
No, especially given his injury history, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, I've um, seen I've seen him kind of slowly working his way down the redraft. Yeah. ADP scene. Starting and to see too many touchdowns from last year. I still don't. I don't. I still don't see myself picking him. Yeah. Like we're one year removed from thinking of him as a guy who's going to get hurt the second he takes the field. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he proved that he could stay relatively healthy on the Cardinals in his first year. But when he was on the Steelers, it was, it wasn't that he was missing games. It was that he would get hurt in the game every single game. Mm-hmm. It would almost be like a Miles Sanders of last year where he would look good for about five plays. And then you're like, where did he go? And then you get the sideline reporter saying, oh, James Conner, he got banged up. He's questionable to return. And I don't want to play that game again. And mm-hmm. I think that's why, in a lot of ways, I'm out. Uh, like, Darrell Williams, he's just better, I think, than a lot of people think. I mean, if you look at his metrics, I guess he's he's not that efficient. But, like, the guy gets the job done. Yeah, He quietly was the RB19 in PPR last year when, I mean – he he stepped in for CEH when he got hurt. He didn't start the season as the starter, but he had some really good spike weeks. And if if we see Connor go down at all, I'm going to be scooping up Darrell Williams immediately on the waivers, regardless of the Keontae Ingram or the presence of Eno Benjamin in that offense. In our league, you won't be because he's on my uh, he's on my bench. Oh yeah, yeah, Darrell <laughs> Williams is got it. But uh, yeah, no, I I love Daryl Williams. I feel like he's always in the perfect situation. You know, you go you go from being on the Chiefs to you know being in another prolific offense. You saw how many touchdowns James Conner had. You know, it, it doesn't take a. He's gonna if if he gets a starting job, he's gonna take off. He could be a top fifteen, top twenty back. So like you said about you know I'm a big Ceh fan and look how good he did in the Chiefs offense and it's like this is what we want Ceh to do and the guy can't do it right mm-hmm. so yeah he's a very capable back uh, all right let's jump to quarterbacks so quarterbacks actually really interesting they actually have a drop off at age 31 and again at 37 so they have like a almost like an M shape curve and the reason why uh Bales kind of says that like there's that survivor bias so like there's quarterbacks that play till they're 40 and then there's some that drop off because they just you know they hit their peak um so really interesting they kind of have like a down and up again at at age 33 um but my my age cliff candidate is Derek Carr who's 31 he's kind of right there in the middle and I think if you have a QB to spare, I'm okay riding the hype that, you know, Devontae Adams is coming to town. I can get something for him. I think people are expecting him to be top 10. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I think he's got a really good floor of like maybe top 15, but I think I can, you can get like some top 10 value for him. And I'd be okay letting him go for like a couple picks, like a first and a second. And maybe they can send you back like a Mitch Trubinsky or something. So you still have a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, and to clarify, this is super flex we're talking about. Yeah. A lot less the, value in a one QB league. Yeah. Oh, Probably yeah. just holding on to Derek Carr in a one QB league yeah. at that point. Yeah. Cool. Um, next up, let's jump to wide receiver. So wide receivers actually have their peak at age 27, but they could play until they're about 30. And then there's a steep drop off. You've probably seen guys like Julio hit their wall and just Man, it used to what 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 used to be, man, was so good, and now mm-hmm. I think I saw him go for a fourth round pick in a 2023 fourth the other day in my other league, and I'm like, wow, used to be able to get so much for a guy like him. Yeah, but my even the Falcons got a lot for him, I think. Yeah, when they traded him to the Titans, they got I some know. picks out of that, I believe. They did. I think they got a second. That was a good good haul for them. Good return. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this might surprise some people, but my age cliff candidate is actually Cooper Cup, who's 29. And I love Cooper Cup. But my my basis on this is that even if he does exactly what he did last year, which was the wide receiver one, 1947 receiving yards with 191 targets, 145 catches, and 16 touchdowns, even if he does that again, he's just going to be <laughs> right, which he probably won't. He's just going to be one year older than he was this year. So you might as well 
I think if you're a contender, hold him. But otherwise, I think you can get a haul for him. I think in one league, I I got a Mike Evans and a first for him. So I was very happy with that. Still getting probably a top 15 wide receiver back. Mm-hmm. And I get a first round pick for a probably pretty good 23 class. I like it. That's awesome. I don't have uh, any of these players, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> nice. And then uh, jumping into tight ends, this is the most interesting. They don't Joe's, peak till Joe's not going to be happy about this one. Oh, we got uh, Dalton Schultz. No, no, no. Your favorite player, Dalton Schultz. This, this one, <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one hurts me to say as a Niner George fan. Kittle. Yeah, but yeah. They, tight ends peak at age 29, and yeah, they can play a little bit, but it's a steep drop off at 29 actually. Um, and I got George Kittle, who's 28, mm-hmm. and you know, he's going to be 29 in October. So he's entering his technically peak year. However, uh, Trey Lance is going to be throwing him the ball. And, you know, here's the, here are the rookie quarterbacks from last year. And you tell me if you want any of their tight ends or receivers, but you got the Jaguars last year had Trevor Lawrence, right? Not really good tight ends or receivers for fantasy. Justin Fields, not really any good bears. I mean, you had Cole Komet with some, with some, flashes every week mac jones did have hunter henry for some touchdowns but his receivers were kind of all over the place and then zach wilson there wasn't a really good tight end or you know besides elijah moore a couple weeks in new york so my thing is trey lance is still going to be a rookie technically next year in my eyes um Mm -hmm. and in his one game he one full game he played with george kittle last year he had two targets for a catch for 29 yards and i know it's a small sample size (laughs) It's one game, but Hey, I think, no, I think, uh, there's too many mouths going around in San Francisco with the running back targets. you, hopefully they re-signed Devo Kittle's great. I just think they're going to run the ball a a whole lot more than they did the past couple of years because they got Trey and he Mm -hmm. can run the ball too, but that's my tight end to sell for George Kittle. Um, there's a guy right now in my league trying to sell him for a first and a second and he keeps bugging me and I want to do it, but I can't do it. So I think that's probably if you can get a first and a second for Kittle or Hey, maybe a first, a second. And a guy like, you know, uh, is it, is it Jordan on the Texans? I think he's got good upside. Yeah. Brevin, yeah, John, absolutely. Brevin Jordan. Yeah. If you can get him in a first or like, um, somebody like that, I, I would, I would do that. Um, and try to punt the position until, until later and use those picks. But mm-hmm. those are my, those are my four age cliff candidates and hopefully everybody likes the uh, kind of uh, peak by position uh, for dynasty stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like Derek said, I'm a huge George Kittle guy. Like he, he is hands down my favorite player in the league. I was, I was joking around about Dalton Schultz because uh, there's a lot of mixed opinions about him uh, in terms of talent. You know, I don't think he's the most talented player. But I do think his situation uh, brings up a big uh, positional advantage. Uh, you know, not like Kelsey or Andrews, but I- I'm actually not going for the Kittle. I'm not going for the Waller. I'd rather wait until, like, Dalton Schultz type of player. Uh, how are you guys feeling on him? I mean, I like that Mason brought up Brevin Jordan because mm-hmm. – I think he's a dark horse to really outproduce where he's going and even redrafts. I mean, Dynasty, great. But yeah, I think he's a pretty good asset. But, I mean, I was looking at the Texans a little a little while ago, and, I mean, he could be easily a top 15 tight end when it's all said and done, and he's going almost at tight end 30 in drafts. So yeah. his percentage of snaps was low last year. It was only around – his high as a rookie was only 60%. Um but if he can get on the field more, he actually here's a stat for you. He had more top twelve finishes in his nine games in PPR than Cole Komet did all season. Wow. Which I mean, if you're in a Scott Fishbowl draft, people love Cole Komet. They're like, Oh, he had zero <laughs> oh, yeah. touchdowns, like he has to get better. He has to get better. I'm like, what if he's not that yeah. good? He did I mean, have ninety three targets. On the field all the time. But so like I get he, it. He didn't do that much with those targets. And then you've got Brevin Jordan, who's on the field 60% of the time, and he's finishing in the top 12 more than Cole Komet did all season mm-hmm. in nine games. Uh, but, like, I love Brevin Jordan. And I wanted to actually add 
this is going way back, but I have a funny Baker Mayfield stat for y'all. During the season last year, I mean, yes, he was hurt on his non-throwing shoulder. 33 different quarterbacks had at least one top five week at the quarterback position. Baker Mayfield was not one of those people. So I know I'm bad-mouthing a guy that I'm like actively trying to unload in my dynasty for like some good assets, but he was very bad last year. And just to add on to that, there were 37 quarterbacks who had two or more top 12 finishes. Baker Mayfield had two of those. Derek, you got to trade him before you post this. But <laughs> I already posted it, unfortunately. But of, of those 37 quarterbacks, his top 12 weekly finish rate was 14%, and that was the lowest. So, like, there were guys that had two top 12 finishes that played, like, three games. I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. like, Josh Johnson had two of those. Yeah. And, like, Baker Mayfield played, like, 13 or 14 games, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so he was just playing bad. Yep. Uh, yeah, we'll see. So what we're going to do now is transition a bit to Joe's etiquette. I know he's working on an article, so this is a bit of a sneak preview here. But talk through us, talk through for us some some don'ts when it comes to being in a league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically um, it doesn't matter if you're new to fantasy football or you're a seasoned veteran. Um, you could always improve your etiquette. And that's in terms of not making stupid mistakes and then also just not being the guy in your league that uh, everybody hates. Cause every, I think all three of us can say that there's usually one team in your league where everybody's like, eh. <laughs> I'm not pointing figures at Derek, you know, but and if uh, you don't, if you, uh, yeah. And if you don't know who that person is, then it's you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, the first one, uh, this is just something that I, I do every single season, and I think you two will find it extremely uh, relatable. Uh, do not be the team who starts players on Thursday night football that you would not start on Sundays. So I, do I like every, to every, set my lineup week. well before Thursday. Especially week one. Exactly. Who's playing week it's, one? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not <laughs> they're sure. They're in my lineup. It's the uh, Rams and the Bills, I believe. Okay, they're in, in your lineup line. anyway. Yeah. So it's perfect. Exactly. So, like, you know – the Thursday night game is coming. Uh, maybe it's like a terrible, terrible game. Like it's like the Bears versus Commanders or something. Texans. And, Texans, yeah, Panthers. Or the Texans. There we I go. I don't know if they play, but that would Even be the better. worst game. Even better. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all of a sudden, that wide receiver that's at the end of your bench, like you start thinking like, oh, maybe he's going to have a Cooper Cup-like game. Maybe he's going to have three touchdowns, 200 yards. And I, I have it happen to me all the time because – if you roster a player, odds are you believe in them at least somewhat. So, yeah, no, I I really have to work on not getting too excited for Thursday night, not getting into FOMO because that that player at the end of your bench, you know, they belong there for a reason. That's Whether they're playing on together. Thursday, Sunday, or Monday. Yeah. That's why you throw together a showdown lineup on DFS and just, mm-hmm. just play that way. You don't have to have that bad wide receiver four in your lineup. 100%. And there, hey, there is like a theory that like players are tired, so they they actually score more points on Thursday night. So I get it. Oh, don't but, tell me. But <laughs> hey, you know you don't want to start, you know, a guy like I don't know, just because a guy's playing Thursday night over like a guy who's been who's gotten you there, right? So yeah, I don't don't start Jameson Crowder week one because he okay. plays on Thursday night, <laughs> and he's gonna get like uh like thirteen catches for two hundred yeah. yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, now that you said it of course but uh yeah the next one i would say is uh don't be the team who overvalues a player just because you roster them in other leagues so um for instance i have a weird feeling that james prochet is a lot better than he probably is uh for those of you that don't know him he plays for the ravens he's a wide receiver and you know lamar is a quarterback so besides mark andrews rashad bateman um you know maybe you sprinkle in Devin Duvernay they're not going to have too many pass catchers on the team for whatever reason I'm I think James Prochet is very very good I'm very into the talent now on my dynasty bench we have a very very deep bench in our league very very good to have him on the back of the bench should he be on any of my teams for redraft absolutely not but you know I, I I see it time and time again where 
people get unrealistic expectations for players that just should not be on the redraft benches. So I think it's just very important to separate your teams. Absolutely. That's kind of like your, your guy, Trey McBride. Yeah. Tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. Exactly. He's probably going to be really good at some point. Yeah, but it's not. not it's not, not the yet. beginning of the season. He's Draft accurate and uh, forget yeah. about it. If you have a five-man bench, you're not rostering that guy until at least he shows something. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Pro- Joe. I really like Prochet actually. So um, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I got eight shares of him on my dynasty team. Yeah, so. <laughs> the guy. You know, he was unbelievable at SMU. You, you don't see one-handed catches like that. So now the I'm fact a that you have eight shares of him is very disconcerting for me as an indicator that you have well over eight dynasty leagues oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's only uh we have a it? dynasty attic right here 36 percent. so oh, God. <laughs> why do you do this to yourself oh man well so my really quick when you're when you're doing waivers every week the one that takes the longest for me is doing it for my redraft leagues when mm-hmm. i have to start my lineup takes a quick 30 seconds per each team. Like I just look through, I know who I'm starting. So it is a little bit easier than you think, but um, yeah. yeah, doing that many redraft teams, no way, no way I can do that. I love how sleeper just added that feature though. When you click on a player, you can oh, see his available. He can see his availability across all the leagues that you have on sleeper. Mm-hmm. Excellent job. Not a sponsor would love that. <laughs> I mean, we're not at that point yet, but they are receptive to maybe by needs. episode two. Yeah, episode two, Sleeper, if you're listening. Mason, me, you ever forget to cookies. set your lineups uh, in all the leagues you're in? Uh, last year, I don't even think – I think it happened just once on, for one team where okay. I forgot to start somebody who was playing, and then I had yeah. to add, like, a random streamer to be my running back that week. But I did yeah. pretty good last year. It was the Listener League Championship, and he forgot <laughs> to start Devin Singletary. and Never, never going to live it down. Stupid T. Higgins decided to have a great week 16. I'm like, I have to start him. Went for like 200 yards. I have He's to T. Higgins. Him. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't blame you. I know we're running into the ground, but like if you looked at Joe's, Joe Mason's lineup, it was, it was amazing. So mm-hmm. like I couldn't justify starting any of those guys over them, regardless of how well they were doing throughout mm-hmm. the playoffs. I mean, how could you expect? Start your studs. Yeah. Because Rashad Penny could have just as easily done what he did in week 15, which is score less than seven points. Hmm. Anyway, did you have more for us, Joe? Um, Let's see. Maybe I'll just do one more. Um, I would just say be, be open to trades because there's nothing more frustrating than a team that doesn't even open their trade inbox. Because I know like you guys are like me, where when you send a trade, until that person looks at it or responds, like you're not really thinking about anything else. Like if I, if I send a trade out, that's pretty much my day right there. <laughs> I'm refreshing the phone. I'm seeing if they, you know, on sleeper, they show if uh, the little icon comes up, yep. if the person views it. So yeah, no, that if, if you're not checking your trade inbox and like four weeks go by, for instance, I've, I've had before where the person's not even viewing it in the off season. It's just like, the worst feeling in the world. And that, that's something that could definitely make me hate a team. <laughs> I mean, hate's a strong word, but I had that happen with Dislike. a Baker Mayfield trade that I sent out to our league mate, Allie. And what ended up happening, she finally saw it. And then uh, she was like, next time text me because I don't check this all the time. My notifications yeah. are off. And I was like, okay. And she rejected my offer, offer anyway. So brutal. It was a hard bargain. I was trying to get a bit out of, the deal definitely more than a 23 second that joe mason uh value value his valuation on baker mayfield i was trying to get at least a first a first in john mechie was my offer because i love me some john mechie when he's back to full strength Mm. uh but anyway so to close out the show i wanted to trick you guys into seeing if you can guess a player that I found uh, interesting based on historical uh, finishes. So what we're going to do is play a little fantasy flashback game. What I'll do is ask you, I'm going to, I'm going to read off some clues. When you are locked in your answer, Mm -hmm. say that you've locked in. I see Joe and and I just grabbing our waters right now. And when you're, (laughs) 
Locked and loaded. I, I'm giving <laughs> you the easier one of the two that I have prepared, like I said. So uh, when you have it locked in, you think you know the answer, mm-hmm. lock it in, tell me, say it out loud, put it into the existence. And then uh, once both of you have it, I'll finish the clues. And then you'll tell me what you guessed. And we'll see okay. if you're, you're as... So don't say the name, just say that we... Uh, we yeah, think just we say, know. I've got it locked in. Got it. And then you can share what you thought it was. And then I'll say if you're right or wrong. Because, I mean, this is a fantasy football podcast. Are, are we really knowledgeable or are we just talking, talking nonsense? So Find out I know I'm next. knowledgeable, <laughs> so I'm going to be the one reading the clues. Oh, yeah. All right, so you're probably not going to get this right away. But the first, the first clue is he was a fourth-round draft pick in 2012. Got it. He was a top 10 finisher at his position in 2014 and 2015. Then he was a top 20 finisher in 2016 and 2017. So he had a pretty good four-year run run here. He played primarily for two teams, both in the AFC, and played running back. I'll let you think for a second, and then you can lock it in if you want. The next I, I, clue, I, I hope. I have a guy in mind, but I'm okay. not locking it in yet. The team that drafted him was the Miami Dolphins. The drafted Dolphins. The other team that he played for was the Houston Texans. I, got, I think I got it. I got it locked in. Okay, Mason has it locked in. This is your chance, Joe. I know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. If you want to lock it day. in, let me know. Again, I'll, he was top 10 in 2014 and 15. Very valuable at the running back position. He was top 20 again in 2016 and 17, so he fell off a little bit. By 2018, he was kind of on the on the outs. And his final year, he only played one game, I think, and... I believe it was for the the Bears, but he didn't get much done. Played for the the Dolphins and the Texans. All right, so Mason has it locked in. I'm going to read the last clue. And I hope that Joe Bellner will know it at this point, and yeah. it'll be a question of whether Mason got it right on I that think I have guess. a guess. I have a guess. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know do the you want to lock it in? Let's lock it in. Just okay, for, lock uh, it in. Now, he shares a first name with the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Omar Miller. He got it. Did you get it, Joe? I I did not. Oh, man, what was your answer? You don't even want to know. I want to know. We got to know. (laughs) My head's all all over the place. We have to publicly shame you. We got around two hours of sleep last night. You know, you said Texans running back, and my Mm -hmm. head just went Arian Foster. Okay. Arian Foster, he did play for Miami, though, didn't he? I think he did. Totally making that. I I don't know when he got drafted. That's my problem. I think he went the opposite way though. Didn't he start with the Texans? Yes. And then end up end up on the Dolphins. I honestly, I at first thought he kind of swapped places with Lamar Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Arian Foster, and then you said you didn't say top five because Arian Foster had I think one or two years where he was that good, right? So yeah, Yeah. that's when uh, Lamar. Lamar Miller was solid, though. Yeah. I was a bit surprised. The dude put up some good numbers. Underappreciated. I think with your last guess, sure. I would have got it. I would have got it. I would hope so. I mean, Lamar is his first name. How do you know yeah, Lamar? Not too many more. That played running back for the Texans and the Dolphins. Yeah. Next week. Next week, I'm coming back hot. All right. So that is it, folks. That's our first episode. Hopefully you stuck around and played that game along with us because – uh, more where that come, came from. I'm going to give you the harder one next next week. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Uh-oh. Thanks for joining in. This has been the Almost Sunday Fantasy Football Podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We want to keep it going into the season, and we want to have you along for the ride. Uh, if you have any questions, please hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Joe Beldner, at Joe Beldner, B-E-L-D-N. E-R is how not he spelled his last yeah, name. Not, not blender. blender. That was a big high school joke. Oh, man. I didn't even think of that, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty good. That's my new nickname. You're, at you're Joe now Belner, Joe. 
Hit him up on Twitter. He's got the most followers of all of us. You can find him probably a lot easier. He probably the algorithm probably throws him on your timeline. So check yeah. it out. And he knows the least. The other <laughs> ones. Oh yeah. <laughs> the other ones. Mine is Narp Dad. I'm a non-athletic regular person, and I'm a dad. Therefore, I am a Narp Dad. N a r p d a d. And Mason, why don't you tell us where we can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Joseph Mason ninety four. Oh, Excellent. Yeah. How we feel? We did it. Say goodbye to our listeners. All uh, single digits of them, probably. But you gotta start yeah, we got to start We got our parents. We got our uh, siblings. Oh, my parents are not listening to this. <laughs> Neither are <laughs> mine. <laughs> oh, man. That'll but do thank it, though. You. Whoever listens to this, thank you. Stock audio from Anchor out. <laughs> I'm not going